This episode is brought to you by Meow Wolf. Manifest unique family memories at Meow Wolf Denver. Quantum travel is the most comfortable way for Earthers of all ages to explore a playground of imagination. And why visit just once when this immersive experience reshapes every time you enter? C Street is my favorite because C Street has this vibe of like 80s dystopian. There's like slime coming down the walls and there's weird posters. And then of course, the secret club. With the annual Portal Pass, drop by Convergence Station as much as you want for less than the cost of two adult tickets. So if you plan to go twice, it's worth it. Plus, enjoy discounts, special offers, and so much more. Get the annual Portal Pass and spend quality space time with your favorite Earthers today. Learn more at MeowWolf.com. That's MeowWolf.com. Today on CityCast Denver the final installment of our week-long series on fall getaways. We talked about our favorite weekend trips on Monday, then yesterday, Colorado's most haunted places, but now it's time to eat. So I've got our newsletter editor and resident foodie, Peyton Garcia, with me to share our favorite road trip-worthy restaurants. And of course, it's Thursday, so as always, we're going to wrap up the show with some recommendations for your weekend. Today is Thursday, September 28th. I'm Paul Caroli in for Bree Davies, and here's what Denver's talking about. Um, all right, well, here I am with uh, newsletter editor and our resident foodie, Peyton Garcia. Hey, Peyton. Hey, Paul. Hey, it's been an exciting morning here on the, on the show, huh? How about that? It has been. Yeah, normally I don't think we would uh, lift the curtain on this kind of thing, but uh, our host, our regular host, Bree Davies, is was here, is here with us in spirit, but not in laptop because there was a spill at her house. So um, we're going to be talking about road trip worthy restaurants to continue our fall getaways guide. And Bree's recommendations will appear in the newsletter, but not on this episode. Instead, it's just going to be you and me. Swapping wrecks, talking about the weekend to come, having some fun. All right, let's do it. All right, you want to you wanna start first? A road trip worthy restaurant? A restaurant so good, you would drive a long way. So I picked some places that weren't that far from home. Okay, good. Mine are very far. Yours are. Okay, so now we have okay. options. We have yeah. some options. Mine are not that far, but they. I picked restaurants that I have been to multiple times that I love and that I make a point of making the drive just to go to that restaurant. Perfect. Um, so I'm, I'm going to start with my Fort Collins pick. And I, so I was, uh, I went to college uh, at Colorado State University. So I spent a lot mm -hmm. of time go in Rams. Fort Collins. Go Rams. Yes. Um, and there was a restaurant there called Cafe Vino. Ah. It opened in 2008. It's owned, it's a family owned restaurant. Um, it was actually opened by somebody who's local to the area. He went to Fort Collins High School. Um, and it is probably my favorite restaurant in the state. In the state. I love it. Wow. I would say in the state. It is my favorite restaurant. And I do think that there's some nostalgia there. So I have not always been a foodie. Um, my husband, who's a phenomenal chef and a big time foodie, he really got me into the culinary scene like years and years ago back when we were in college. And it all started, I can literally remember the moment like that something clicked in my head. Um, and it was while eating a meal at Cafe Vino for the first time. 
Do you remember what you were eating? Yeah, it was the it's actually two of the things I'm going to recommend because they're two of the staples on the menu. So Cafe Vino's, it's an elevated European tapas restaurant and they have over 200 wines on the menu. So that's kind of their thing is like European tapas and wine. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's it's fancy. I mean, entrees are like 30 to 40 dollars. So it's it's elevated for sure. Um, and the menu rotates regularly, but there are a couple staples that are always on the menu that I highly recommend. And that night that like my eyes were opened to the beauty that is the culinary world, um, Mm -hmm. I was eating bacon wrapped dates. So that's on their starter menu and they're the best bacon wrapped dates you'll ever have. They're pitless and they are covered in blue cheese crumble and a balsamic reduction. Whoa. And so rich. Yes. It it blew my mind. And then there's also the the pizza Louis or Louis pizza. And it's another staple of theirs. Now this is gonna sound crazy, but it's a pizza with sliced pears, mozzarella, bacon, blue cheese crumbles, and a drizzle of honey on top. Interesting. Interesting. It sounds weird. Right. And like when my husband made me try this, he's like, you have to try this. It'll blow your mind. And I was like, that sounds stupid. <laughs> sounds like somebody <laughs> just picked a bunch of random ingredients and threw it on the dough. Um, but it's so harmonious when you eat it. It's incredible. I mean, it's it's on the menu all the time for a reason. So it's very, very good. And then they make the perfect creme brulee. The perfect creme brulee. The perfect creme brulee. And the mm-hmm. bacon wrap dates that changed your life. That's yes. That's high praise. Did I tell you that yeah. I went to this restaurant last time I was in Fort Collins? And what did you think? Uh, you don't have to be nervous. I loved it. Me and my ah, wife yes. went. We had a great time. You were totally right. Um, my favorite part, though, is that they share a building with, or at least at the time, they shared a building with... Um, Uh, Senator Michael Bennett's like regional office. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. So (laughs) I don't know why I got so excited about that. But when we were in the restaurant, I kept like joking to my wife, like, oh, like, oh, Mr. B, he'll take care of the bill. Mr. (laughs) B will take care of the bill. Just assuming that he's like always in there and having some. He probably is. I, I would imagine so too. I mean, it's a good restaurant. It's it's incredible. We've I've I've eaten there over a dozen times probably, and uh, I've never ever once been disappointed, even with the rotating menu. I had um, a pork chop one time that I literally dreamt about for like two years, Um, (laughs) a Brussels sprout Caesar salad. Anyways, that is my pick for Fort Collins. So if you are up for a short road trip uh, and you want to make a day out of it, drive to FOCO, hit up Cafe Vino, get some tapas. It is incredible. You will not be disappointed. Great pick. Great pick. I co-signed that one totally. Worth planning a trip around. All right, your turn, Paul. What do you got? You want the far away one or the uh, slightly less far away one? <laughs> Let's do the really far away one. Okay, so this is an eight-hour drive, uh, a beautiful drive across uh, the mountains on I-70, past Grand Junction, all the way into Utah, through the canyon lands to the very front door of the Grand Staircase Escalante National Monument, which is a very important part of the story behind this restaurant, um, which I read about in The New Yorker like four years ago, and I've been just dying to go to this place ever since. It's called Hell's Backbone Grill, um, and it's in a tiny town. It's also called Boulder, Boulder, Utah. There's like 250 people that live there. 
So the story starts in like, uh, I don't know, decades ago. There's these two women, two cooks, Jen Castle and Blake Spaulding. They met when they were working as cooks on river rafting tours across the Southwest. Mm -hmm. So then after uh, Bill Clinton declared this national monument in, I think, 1996, definitely late 90s, uh, Castle and Spaulding saw that as an opportunity to uh, open their restaurant that they've always dreamed of opening together uh, right there outside the National Monument where they knew people would be going. It turned into a huge hit, um, despite being kind of a weird fit in this tiny little community. The, the New Yorker says Hell's Backbone grew to become an all-organic, sourcing-obsessed, vegetarian-friendly venture in the middle of a traditional ranching community, a part-hippie, part-hipster, Buddhist-influenced culinary retreat in conservative Mormon country. And their whole thing is like farm to table. I guess it's been like, they've won lots of awards in Utah. They've been nominated for James Beard stuff. Um, but the, anyway, the end of the story and the reason why it's so exciting is these two women, when President Trump was talking about reducing the size of the National Monument, they kind of went full activist mode and were like, no, 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 you can't do this. They started speaking at rallies. They started making this a whole big part of what their restaurant was about. And this is kind of the same time that they were winning a lot of acclaim for the food. So they became champions of this, of this National Monument and of, of public lands in Utah and I don't know. Ever since, ever since reading about it, I've always wanted to go visit. It is. I will say I just looked up a photo of it. It's, first of all, adorable. It's very charming. Um, I, yeah, the ambiance looks amazing. What I find really interesting about your story, though, is that um, it seems like such it does seem like such a strange place for a restaurant like that. In right? the middle of Utah, um, especially with a name like Hell's Backbone Grill, because that just like it makes me think of like a a biker bar serving up steaks or something. I think that must have been what it was before and they kept the name because I agree. It just does not seem to fit what they're doing at all. Maybe that's part of the fun for them. Their little slogan says, Hell's Backbone Girl and Farm where the food is heavenly. <laughs> I love it. I think this is cool. I, I mean, this is a great pick because you can make a road trip out of going to the monuments. Oh, right. And then sure. you can tack this on too for a really, a really great vacation. Um, this looks really, really cool. I love yeah. this. And I mean, the end of the story, kind of a nice ending is President Biden re reverted the National Monument back to its original borders after Trump was voted out. So they're, they're back to their regular stream of customers. I, I imagine that they had beforehand. Yeah, I love that. Very cool. Um, all right, Peyton, your turn. Okay. All right. My next one, again, not super far from home. Um, it's a it's a little journey to a, the tiny town of Estes Park. Have you heard of it, Paul? <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, I've heard of it. Okay. I'm not going to, you know, I know I'm not supposed to talk about Estes Park because I always talk about Estes Park. But um, like I said, when I was picking restaurants, I was trying to pick somewhere like places that I, I legitimately make a trip out of to go to. And you and I have talked about this before. I think we've even talked about it on the podcast. Um, but my second pick is um, a lot more informal than Cafe Vino. It is Antonio's Real oh, New right. York Pizza. Yes. We I have, forgot about this place. Yes. Yeah. We have talked about this place. Um, and the, the way I found it is actually... I, I go up to Estes Park quite a bit in the summers and I was there and I was looking for um, pizza. I was up there with a bunch of girlfriends and I asked a bunch of locals. So we were just out in town and I was like, where do I go for pizza? Where do, where would you go? Every single person 
recommended Antonio's Real New York Pizza. Um, it's a huge deal there. So Antonio de Sosa, he came to Colorado from Long Island back in 2006 and then spent nearly 10 years perfecting his New York style Sicilian pizza recipe. Hmm. And then he opened his place. Um, it's a 6,000 square foot building that's not even in the main strip of SS Park. It's it's a mile and a half away in this like super nondescript Adobe style building. But their food, their pizza is insane. And I again, this is something that I, I make a point of driving to Estes Park because I want this pizza. Now we had this pizza together. We at did. That pizza pop-up last summer. And I remember thinking it was exceptional. Yeah. Like very saucy, very cheesy, kind of like controlled mess yes. kind of a situation. It was just delicious. Is it like that at the pizza place? Oh yeah, it's great. Um, I will say I've never dined inside because when I first discovered it, it was COVID times. So I've only ever um, done their takeout. Hmm. But the pizza is is just as phenomenal as it was that day that we had it at a food truck park in Westminster. Um, their specialty is Boy, Sicilian style. Oof. But they also do these like these kind of insane gimmicky pizzas. So they do a 26 inch thin crust called the Megadon, <laughs> um, which is huge. They have pizzas or pictures of it all over their website. Um, and they do a 12 pound thick crust pizza called Hell's Kitchen. And each quadrant of the pizza is a different specialty pie. <laughs> okay. And it's insane. That and is, and then I'll I'll. I'll <laughs> I'll end it with um, Antonio, who I actually have spoken with just via email. Um, but when I was kind of looking into Antonio's background for Pizza Week, when I wrote about him in the newsletter, mm -hmm. uh, I went back and forth with him and he was really, really cool. And he was just like over the moon that I was like writing about him in, in our newsletter. Um, but fun, fun vibes. I mean, if you're if you're willing to again make a make a little road trip out of it and you want good pizza, like that is the place in Estes Park I suggest people go is um, Antonio's Real New York Pizza. All right, Peyton, that was awesome. I think we got one more, but right now we're gonna go to a quick break. Isn't the point of traveling to get away from it all? To feel the best you've ever felt? then maybe you should check out Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool, white, sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. When your trip comes to an end, you won't need another vacation because you just had the vacation. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. All right, and we're back. I think it's on me to bring us home. Mm-hmm. One last recommendation. No pressure. So, Peyton, you know I love the San Luis yes, Valley. Yes, you're there, you're there quite frequently. Yeah, I mean, I think it's been twice twice this year already, but I just always find myself down there. I just love it. Magical place. And until recently, no food options really at all. Like, at least nothing good. There's, there's a Chinese place in Monte Vista that I think is okay. There's a brewery that serves okay pizza in Del Norte. But not anymore. Now there is a must try or at least must stop at place while you're going through the San Luis Valley. It's called the Friars Fork and Sanctuary. It opened in 2022 um, and it was just shortlisted for a James Beard Award earlier this year. So it got some, some press. Most of it revolves around the chef and co-owner. Her name is Denise V. Hill. She's worked under 
you know, hotshot chefs in Santa Fe, Aspen, around the West. Um, and they had been, she and her husband had been thinking about opening their own place. And uh, I guess a few years ago, they found this Episcopalian church in Alamosa that was built in 1926. Um, 5280 Magazine describes it as, the red adobe buildings and courtyard were slowly being taken over by pigeons and piles of refuse, but V Hill saw its potential immediately. Um, and I can attest, having now been there twice, that she was totally right. It is a very beautiful place, this renovated old church, and a very interesting place for a refined Italian meal. I think the food is, is the draw here. I mean, the, this, the red sauce is rich and sweet and just just the way you want it. And it's simple quality, I think, for the price. Like it's not that, it's not like, you're, you're not gonna go in there and drop like hundreds of dollars. It's, it's reasonable for what you're getting. They're also open for lunch. They have a little patio. So they'll serve you like a homemade Italian soda on their, on their little patio between the old church buildings and just a nice respite with fantastic food in the San Luis Valley. Yeah, this uh, brisket bacon mac and cheese that's pictured on their website, that is calling my name. That looks yeah. incredible. Well, it's a mere 3.5 hours drive away. Do you have something that you ate there that you really liked? Um, yeah, I like the eggplant parmesan, I think was a standout. But last time I was there... You know what? It was it was my wife Megan that got most excited about just like a cold cut sandwich. Their their lunch menu is very very simple, very simple. But like this is a James Beard quality cold cut sandwich. Huh. She was she was she was raving about it. That's so yeah. All right. I mean, there is um th there is a moment right now for former churches turned restaurants. Have you noticed that? <laughs> you think? Oh yeah. I feel like I've had like. Four conversations in the last month with people about former churches turned restaurants. It's very cool. The inside does look very um, unique and charming. Well, there's four great wrecks of road trip worthy restaurants. And then we got two more from Bree in our newsletter, Hey Denver, which you can subscribe to at denver.citycast.fm. But right now, here at the end of our Thursday show, we're going to do what we always do. It's time for the official CityCast Denver, maybe for your weekend, as in maybe you'll see us there. Because as usual, there's so many cool things happening in Denver this weekend, but there's only one where you might see us. Peyton rounds up her best bets in our newsletter, Hey Denver, every week. And she's here to give us her top picks. Just the two of us this time, Peyton. All right. Okay. So first one is an autumn must do for most people. Okay. This Saturday, Elitch Gardens kicks off their Fright Fest season. Oh, have you ever done right. that? So they do Halloween stuff. I've never done it. I've never done it. I did get a Elitch's season pass though. So you did. I, I, maybe this is the year. This is the year. So they do it. It's like for the next five weekends, they do Fright Fest at night. So at six o'clock, like Kitty Land closes. Um, and then the amusement park is open six to 9 p.m. And like all the creepy characters come out. So there's all sorts of people dressed in like creepy costumes walking around. <laughs> um, so you've got, you know, crazy clowns and, you know, ghouls and goblins. And so it's fun. But there's also like six haunted house experiences there in the really? park. Um, yeah. And you, th they're, they're really scary if you are into huh. haunted houses. I can't do them. I've tried. I tried as a kid. I cried the whole way through. I tried it as an adult. I cried the whole way through. They're they're really scary, <laughs> but um, that's starting this Saturday, Fright Fest. I mean, tickets are expensive. How much are we talking? Um, $50 if you buy online, 
$70 if you buy at the gate. $50 if I got it online. I paid 75 bucks for that season pass. <laughs> now I have to go to Fright Fest. You, you do. And then and then I will say the haunted houses are an additional fee. They're not even included. Oh. And it's like $28. But you could buy special combo packages and stuff. And then someone like you who has a season pass, it you know, you could you could make the money work. Hmm. Well, one one uh, one thing I suspect that they do there that they have not put on the internet is uh, using licensed characters. Oh, really? When I was there over the summer, they had someone dressed up like Captain America and like a, they had a Black Panther walking around. So yeah, I suspect that this Fright Fest has like, yeah. I don't know, Freddy Krueger yeah. or I don't even know the monsters I don't know, from Jason. It's not really my thing. I don't know. All right. What, what's number two? Next. Suave Fest. Okay. What's Suave Fest? Suave, if you're saying it in Spanish or suave if you're a white person. Um, it is a Latino craft beer festival in honor of Hispanic Heritage Month. So this event is put on by Raices and Cultura Nonprofit. Um, it is happening at an event space called Steam on the Plat. It's in Sun Valley right by Raices. Just down the street from that old uh, Excel power plant that we did yes. that episode about a few weeks ago. Yes. A very interesting neighborhood. So this is happening Saturday from noon to six and it'll spotlight Latino owned breweries, but there'll also be live Latin American inspired entertainment, including Los Mocochetes. Nice. Our favorite. Um, plus Hispanic artists uh, who will be doing live mural painting and Latin American food vendors. Um, Tickets are $35 for general admission, $75 for VIP, $20 if you're the designated driver. <laughs> well, that's thoughtful of them to include. I think I saw um, one of my favorite breweries. They're in uh, the Stanley Marketplace, Chaluna. Chaluna oh, Brewing okay. is going to be there as well. Yeah. Yeah, they got a good lineup. This that sounds fun. I mean, we love Los Mocochetes and we love Raices, so mm -hmm. right there. That's a good time. All right. What else we got, Peyton? All right. Next, I have <laughs> Harry Potter Night at Coors Field. So, okay. because the Rockies are desperate to get people to come to their games, um, if you want to go, but you don't want to watch baseball, uh, you can dress up as your favorite Harry Potter wizard or, you know, whatever Harry Potter house you're in and go to the Rockies game and you'll get a special Harry Potter slash Colorado Rockies scarf. How about that? And you can hang out with all the other witches and wizards out there. Um, that seems cool. I mean, for baseball fans who also like Harry Potter, that's, that's your thing. There you go. I mean, I don't even like baseball, but I love Harry Potter. So this, this drew me in immediately. I want to dress up and take my wand. And I don't know if you know that about me, Paul. I'm obsessed with Harry Potter. Oh, I'm very well aware. Have I asked you your house? What house? <laughs> Gryffindor? Uh, yes. Gryffindor. A proud Gryffindor. Um, I'm going to do this thing with Benny. Your baby, yeah. Where I lay out. I'm going to print out pictures of each house and lay them out on the floor. And then when he's nine months and three quarters, he has to crawl to one. And whichever one he crawls to is officially his house. Wow. Wow. Well, you'll have to update me. <laughs> we take it very that. seriously. Okay. Um, all right. What's our last event? All right. Our last option is um, the hot chocolate run this Sunday starting at 7 a.m. So if you know me, you know that running is not really my thing. Yeah, I'm not seeing you there. There's no maybe <laughs> about it. They have a 5K, a 10K, and a 15K. Now, I was tempted to sign up for the 5K just because this, this hot chocolate after party seems legit. Tell me about it. There's going to be all, all sorts of hot chocolate vendors, um, chocolate fondue, 
and hot chocolate swag. Uh, And that's enough to call me. I love hot chocolate. That's enough to lure me in. But it gets better. You don't have to run to get the hot chocolate goodies. There's an expo happening at the National Western Complex that's free and open to the public from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. You can just go and do the hot chocolate part. You don't actually have to do the running part. So it's just like a hot chocolate festival for you if you want to ignore the... <laughs> yeah. Well, that does sound yeah, good. Yeah, exactly. I, like I mean, if you want to challenge yourself, the, the runs are happening at Wash Park beginning at 7 a.m. Um, if you want to, you know earn your hot chocolate. But if you're like me and you don't want to run and you just want the hot chocolate, you do the expo part. (laughs) Um, You know, I'm not a huge hot chocolate person, but I do think that people will probably be bringing like interesting types of hot chocolate to this, which could be fun. Yeah. I'm kind of interested how they're going to make a whole expo about hot chocolate. Different kinds of marshmallows, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. So part of me is curious about that. Hmm. All right. So we got Fright Fest at Elitch's. We got Suave Fest or Suave Fest, the Latino craft beer festival. Harry Potter night at Coors Field or the hot chocolate running optional Sunday morning event. Hmm. Not that interested in the Harry Potter night, Peyton. Uh, fine. To be honest, gotta, gotta, gotta be straight with you. You're missing out. I feel like Elitch's is I mean, I I might do that just to squeeze the value out of my season pass, but I don't know if I would want to recommend (laughs) that. Just, you know, knowing what Elitch's is and how expensive that sounds. How about you? What are you thinking? I think I'm at the Hot Chocolate Expo. You know what? Me too. I'm curious. I'm curious. I want to broaden my hot chocolate horizons. It's going to be, if if we're lucky, it'll be a crisp autumn morning. Perfect for hot chocolate. And I'll see you there after the run, Paul, because you'll probably run, but I will not. I could. I might. We'll see. And there you have it. The official CityCast Denver may be for your weekend. But there's way more where that came from. Peyton's got plenty more recommendations in our newsletter, Hey Denver, which you can subscribe to right now at denver.citycast.fm. Well, Peyton, we did it. Thanks so much for joining me. We did it. Thanks, Paul. That's all for today here on CityCast Denver. If you enjoyed the show, why not take a minute to tell the team at the Genius Bar that Bree's coming for help? Rate the show five stars wherever you get your podcasts. Become a member of CityCast Denver today and support our work. All you got to do is go to membership.citycast.fm and sign up now. Um, You can also learn more about us at denver.citycast.fm. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. See you then. This place is uh, has a whole mythical backstory. Um, it, oh my god! Oh my god! I just dropped my coffee on my. Oh, oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh. oh. Oh my god. It's still functioning if that helps. I know, but I try I have it upside down so no water gets in it, but the smell of a computer. Oh my god. You know what, you guys, I'll be back. I'm gonna try to figure this out.